3: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseHeadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday show.
4: How the heck are you? I am doing phenomenal. Um, I could go on forever about how close we are getting into the draft, but we have a guest with us today, so I will let you introduce him, and, and I'm really excited about what we have in store for today.
3: Yeah, we are super excited to be joined by Ben Solak of the Draft Network. Ben has been doing great work for a long time and produces a ton of great content on the NFL Draft. He's also an editor at Bleeding Green Nation, a Philadelphia Eagles blog. And like I said, we're just super excited to have Ben joining us today on the pod. So welcome, Ben, to the Pack-A-Day podcast.
5: Oh thanks Kyle. I appreciate it. I'll be uh, I'll be the first to talk about
4: how excited we are because we're close to the draft. I'll take Andrew's job for him. Hi, I'm <laughs> very excited. We are too. And and people may or may not know that, Ben, you you stepped into the spotlight a few weeks ago when Adam Schefter Like the Adam Schefter, not even a fake account. Yeah, that one, yeah. Retweeted your article on Washington right tackle Caleb McGarry. So, Ben, you have to tell us, how does it feel to have something that you wrote retweeted by Adam Schefter? Oh, man, I called my mom. I was like, hey,
5: mom. (laughs) Adam Schefter retweeted me, and she was like, who's that? And I said, yeah, I should have foreseen this coming. Um, (laughs) It's not the right person to call. No, um, it was just super sick. It was cool. Uh, Like, what was Adam Schefter retweeting it was cool. I had the problem where, like, right around when the Eagles were in the playoffs this year, our podcast for uh, BGN Radio was, like, really highly ranked, which was really exciting. It was a ton of listeners. And we were above Adam Schefter's podcast. And so I, like, you know, this was ages ago. I, like, added Adam Schefter. And I was like, ha suck it. Like, you know, deal with it. Adam, had, Adam Schefter's hands on sight. Like, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, shit, I should probably get rid of those now. But I still have them. <laughs> they still have He Because, like, you know, whatever. He's obviously not going to see it. But, um... That was cool, but what was really cool was just just the people, like the people who who followed me for a while, the people who've always read my stuff, who were so excited for me. Like that's that was you know, like obviously Adam retweeting is cool, but I've never even met Adam. Like the people who like you know followed for a while, like being proud for me and proud with me was really cool. So yeah, it was, it was a, that was that was a nice little feather in my cap for what's been a really fun NFL draft season.
3: That's awesome, man. I remember I, I tweeted at you right after that, and I was like, dude, just remember that you agreed to come on the Pack of Day co- podcast yeah, man, no. <laughs> before you got famous. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we appreciate you telling us what that's like. Uh, maybe someday in the future we'll get to experience that, but we won't hold our breath. So <laughs> congrats, man. Um, but Ben's article on Caleb McGarry is really good, so make sure you check that one out. And we're going to talk about McGarry a little bit later, but Ben definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to offensive line prospects in general. And so that's why he's here with us today to help us get a better understanding of these online prospects in the draft and to talk about how the Packers could improve their pass blocking and run blocking by taking advantage of some of the prospects who are available in this draft class. So uh, let's start right at the top of the draft. Jawan Taylor is someone that most consider to be the best tackle prospect in the draft, but he spent at least the majority of his time at right tackle, which is a little bit odd for a top prospect. The Packers don't need a right tackle right now, but they could next year if Green Bay were to move on from Brian Balaga. So what is it about Jawan Taylor that makes him a special prospect?
4: Yeah,
5: Jawan Taylor, man, really weird come up. Usually it doesn't take till the end of the season, to figure out that an offensive tackle prospect is really good. Like, usually that's something that you get pretty cleanly. And this was a, 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 a sensation, something that we had happen for multiple Florida prospects because the coaching there, Will Muschamp, it was just so bad. It was just, there was, there was there was such poor development of these players. Though You saw, like, safety Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, another one, potential first-round player. You know, 2017 tape was rough. 2018 tape, he was clearly a much more motivated and technically advanced player. You could say the same for Ja'Kai Polite, the edge— Who, you know, he comes through, obviously, he's had a rough pre draft process, but he really grew in his final season. So, Jawan Taylor exploded, really, just in terms of his technique, how well he utilized his length into this season. He's not my offensive tackle one, but for those people who have him high, what you're excited about with Jawan Taylor is an incredible blend of length, like natural size, and then movement skills, right? Very nimble, very quick on his feet, but he has, like, the ideal requisite size. That you expect him to be able to handle power at the offensive tackle position. And that that blend is always going to put guys early. Like Colin Miller at UCLA did not have great tape, baby. But boy, if you're long and you're quick, teams will draft you at offensive tackle. And so that's what's going to make Taylor special. Now he's a smart player. Uh, He knows what he's doing. He uses his leverage well. He's got good footwork. Right tackle, left tackle, not really much of a concern. You know what I mean? Like this is if if that's where he fits naturally best, where he fits naturally best. If he can swing for you and, and flip that's all the more power to him. And so I think he's, he's he absolutely is, has the traits of an NFL left tackle. If you work him out there and you know, he'll be fine over there. Then he'll be fine over there. And that's not a problem. Taylor's a real fun prospect. Yeah. And
4: the, it's, it's- transitioning to a different tackle the Packers historically are really picky about athletic testing and and that has not seemed to change under Brian Gutekunst so we we would probably assume they're going to pass on Jonah Williams even though I I think Kyle and I are in agreement that we both really like him as a prospect Andre Dillard however has the athletic profile that's Mm -hmm. probably going to be really attractive to the Packers so what are your thoughts on Andre Dillard as a potential tackle prospect and um would you consider possibly taking him at pick 12.
5: Yeah, I mean, Andre Dillard, it's interesting. For me, he's not a player that I would take at 12. He's not going to be around one grade on my board. I'm not positive he's going to be around two grade on my board. And the reality is, like, there's movement skills and there's, there's natural athleticism. But the eight angles of offensive line play, like offensive line movement is different than running back movement. It's not like natural. You know what I mean? Like when you're in a kick slide, right, when you're like keeping tension inside your groin and your thighs and your core, like that's just like a different type of, of athleticism, the different types of requirement you have to be technically sound in that regard, if you get all over the place, you know, if you lose that that 10 severity, kind of what we call it, you're going to get knocked off your back. You're not going to be able to absorb power and re-anchor. You're going to lose balance. And I think that's something you see with Andre Dillard. He's a really nice, natural athlete, and that covers up a lot of technical problems, but good rushers can put him in trouble. And, and, and the, the system at Washington State Did a lot to protect him in terms of how quickly the ball came out. And and vertical sets really appeal to Dillard's play style. It's a little passive. He has trouble being aggressive. And that's something he's going to have to learn. How to 45-degree set, how to jump set, how to initiate contact with his hands. And so there are gaps there that make me not want to take him at 12. Dillard, obviously, from the testing perspective, is the exact sort of guy that, listen, if your offensive line coach thinks he can bring him in and improve him. And Dillard's improvement, 2017 tape to 2018 tape, was great. Like, some people were excited about Dillard coming into this season. I was like, man, I can't get my head around this. This dude's technique is bad. He's really <laughs> passive. He got a lot better in 2018 for sure. So if your offensive line coach says, hey, listen, bring me this kid. I can make something out of him. Go for it. You know what I mean? But I think that, like, when we're talking about, obviously, you know, for, for any team, not necessarily the Packers. Yeah, Jonah Williams, Cody Ford, Juwan Taylor, these are better players. For the Packers, If, if it's between Taylor and Dillard. Taylor's got to be the pick. If Dillard's in at 12... Like you said, you may not need him this year, so it's nice to have that time to develop him. But he's going to need some work, that's for sure.
3: Definitely will be interesting to see if the Packers do pull uh, the trigger on Dillard there at 12. He's the player that I'm most nervous that could be kind of the dark horse to be the pick that I'm not yeah. sure that I would be super excited about. Uh, but I do have to say that I think that this is the first time on this podcast that the tightness of the groin has ever
4: been referenced.
3: Is that true, Andrew?
4: Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'll have to check our archives, but I'm pretty sure.
3: <laughs> pretty sure that's the first time. So thanks for bringing that to the podcast today, Ben. Um, mm-hmm. we we uh, want to talk a little bit about Dalton Reisner, and for a long time, you know, yeah. we love the we love the draft simulator you guys have over at thedraftnetwork.com. For a long time, Dalton Reisner was someone who was almost always available at the Packers pick at number 30 overall. But the last couple weeks, it seems like Reisner has almost always been gone by the 30th selection. So do you think Reisner is someone that could go higher than people are thinking? And what kind of prospect do you see overall in Dalton Reisner?
5: Yeah, no. So the the mock draft simulator runs off of our predictive board. And our predictive board is built exclusively for the simulator. You know, just like, you know, flat ranking the players where we think they're going to go putting Reisner, obviously, where we think he'll best fit. And Reisner did move up a couple weeks ago because, you know, we we at the Draft Network we talk to a lot of people, and obviously we read everything else that everybody else puts out, and we just try to do our best to slot these guys. Reisner is a potential end-of-the-first-round target for, for a lot of teams. And the reality is that while Reisner's not the most agile dude, he's not the best mover, there are quickness concerns with him. He's nasty as heck. And real old school style football guys really, really like that in their offensive linemen. His versatility, ability to play four, if not five positions on the offensive line is also huge. If you're a rebuilding team, Dolan Rosner is one of the best first round picks you can make. It's almost impossible he won't start somewhere. He can play left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, and you know left tackle in a pinch probably. So that that aspect is really pushing him up into the, into the bottom of the first round. Fun tape to watch, though. You can see the weaknesses. Really fun guy to talk to you. Talked to him at the uh, Senior Bowl. He's totally nuts. It's completely crazy. Uh, and that's, again, like, <laughs> off of the line, like, that's what you want. Like, you know, you want a guy who's just, like, off his rocker. Nuts. For the Packers, like, I could definitely see it because I think there's an interior offensive line need as well. And like I said, Reisman's versatility is super cool. Uh, I would expect, you know, maybe not 30. I don't know. What's their second round pick? Is it, like, 44, 44? 44? 44? Yeah. That sounds too early. I thought they were picked pick 12. Did they move up a little bit?
3: No, anyway. we got, we, we got 12 and 44, and we got the 30 from the Saints last year. So That's
5: that's pretty sick. But either way, yeah, yeah so 30-44 is where I would be looking at Reisner for them. Uh, and, and listen, if that's the pick, it makes a lot of sense. I guess it would be out, outside of athletic tendencies, but it would make sense.
4: Absolutely. And, and one player that I noticed that you had ranked um, higher than, than I typically see is David Edwards. Yeah. And and since this is a Packers podcast, so while we do have – a. a national and even international audience there are a lot of people that listen that have ties to Wisconsin Um, and so some of our listeners will be familiar with Edwards as a former Badger and and I really like David Edwards but having him um, ranked as high as you do was a little bit surprising so so can you tell me a little bit more about David Edwards and what you see in him as a prospect
5: yeah man I still believe I don't know like I was excited real excited about him coming into 2018 there wasn't as much of a step forward as you wanted to see in terms of what he does in, in kind of like we, we talk about an edge rusher's first three steps and like if an edge rusher can win in his first three steps. Well, for an offensive tackle, like the first two kick slides are the same as the first three steps. Like you have to be able to win, frame a guy, get a good leverage point in the first two kick slides. And besides that, off 2017 tape, Edwards was really exciting. And it was just his ability to drive off that inside foot, to not fall step and to get depth of his first two kick slides. He said, all right, in 2018, if he solves this problem, we're good. And then he did not You're like, all right, well, what do we do now? Uh, To me, like, you know, testing wasn't super great at the combine, but I still see a plus athlete on tape. I see a guy who's definitely NFL athlete worthy at the tackle position. So I know I have that box checked. And I also see a guy who has not been playing the position for very long. Uh, was It a, was a tight end convert to the tackle position. So it wasn't really using that technique, wasn't gaining depth off the line. You know, tight ends, like they might block, but they're never entering a kick slide the way that Edwards is. And that's the biggest problem on his film right now. So I see a guy with, with a developmental future. And when we're talking like uh, Edwards and like, you know, Edwards was getting some like Colton Miller sort of comparisons. And like, you know, for the athleticism, he obviously didn't test that well. But when we're talking about, in my opinion, guys like Titus Howard, guys like Caleb McGarry, and guys like David Edwards, these are NFL caliber athletes at the position who really have some technical struggles. Round two, round three is where it makes sense for these guys because the reality is colleges aren't churning out high quality offensive tackles. I forget, I think it was uh, Steve Palazzolo of PFF who I had this he tweeted out recently, just like, listen, at any given time, there are five good tackles in college. And that's the truth. You know what I mean? Like and like uh, this year, most of them are draft eligible. Don't know what's going to happen next year. Like like uh, there, there there's aren't many good tackles playing at the college level. And so if you find guys who are NFL caliber athletes who at least have baseline technique, which Edwards, you know, has. Everyone knows how to frame guys. He knows how to throw a punch. You know, like, like the NFL is thirsting for starters at offensive tackle. And so Edwards might not be a guy who, you know, is, is reliable for you in year one. He might be a guy you'd prefer to sit and start year two. But he's got an NFL starter profile. And to me, at the tackle position, that puts you as a round two, round three grade. Like, it's not like wide receiver. It's not like running back. There's not a ton of body, So if you can potentially start, you're going to get a high grade from me.
3: Now, you just mentioned Caleb McGarry. And McGarry is someone who posted absolutely huge RAS numbers. Oh,
5: bananas.
3: (laughs) And it's really, you know... We've, we we've just kind of heard this last couple days that it sounds like the Packers spent some time with McGarry around his pro day at Washington. And it's been rumored that he may be one of the 30 visits that the Packers have lined up. We don't know that for sure, but it's been rumored. What is it that you like about Caleb McGarry and maybe what are some of his challenges as a prospect? And if you had to guess, what round would you suggest that he gets selected in?
5: Yeah, it's a funny story about McGarry's testing. Uh Obviously, so I I wrote the piece on Caleb. I've talked with Caleb, staying in touch. Wonderful dude, real fun. And he was telling me some of the numbers he was hoping to hit, and I was like, I'm not gonna share these because they're nuts. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sure. I was like, you got it, man. Like, go get them. And in my head, I was like, that's that can't happen. You know, what I mean, like, I mean, he's he's 90th percentile or above and like broad jump, vertical jump, short shuttle, like some huge testing numbers. Um, and so now I look like an idiot because I didn't share. Like, you know, I didn't source them while I had them, but, um. No, McGarry's uh, explosiveness numbers are great. And we're talking about a guy who's who's a true 6'7". Weird arm length situation where he measured in with much shorter arms at the combine than he did at the senior bowl. So I don't know super how long he is. You know, he lost about a half an inch off his arm length. At, at the uh, at the combine which which has happened before like it's because like the measurements like take it from a different place at the shoulder like you know mm-hmm. the different sourcings it's so, like usually scouts will just like take the average or they'll get a third measure or whatever but it's funny cuz I talked with Caleb about it he was so pissed he was like <laughs> I, I haven't had you know, I haven't had 33 inch arms since like 7th grade I was like that's not true but whatever um fun guy right on film what you see for McGarry is a player who has, again, similar to Edwards, I kind of brought this up. He's threatened by depth. And so, you know, you at the snap, the first thing you need to do as an offensive tackle is gain depth. And you have to gain depth while staying square. You have to keep your hips square to the line. If you don't gain depth, you're going to lose the outside edge track. The re- edge rusher who's lined up way outside of you and is in a much better stance for being fast than you are is going to get to your outside shoulder. If you don't gain depth, then you have to swivel your hips, open your hips, go perpendicular to the line of scrimmage to deal with him. And that leaves you susceptible for inside moves. When McGarry loses, it's for that reason. If he's able to gain depth or if he's able to take more aggressive sets, a jump set, if he's able to put a 45-degree set with more regularity, then he wins. So it's, really, it's that ability to gain depth on the first two kick slides. And for a player of McGarry's explosiveness profile, of his height with really long legs, you expect him to be able to suss that out. And so McGarry is a potential late first second round target. That's what we've been hearing from teams now, especially after the end of the combine. You look at a team like the chargers at 29, 29, 28, the chargers, I think it's they, 28. And, yeah. The chargers play twenties. <laughs> uh, that's a team that, that has had eyes on McGarry for a little bit. And so that's where you would expect to see him go. The length, the strength profile, it's all there. We have to handle his ability to deal with depth, to get to his set points. listen, Good offensive line coaches. I mean, we talked about this with Dante Scarnecchia, Mike Munchak, now in Denver, over with me in Philadelphia, and Jeff Stoutland. Good offensive line coaches can do wonders with these athletes. They can really improve them just in one year. And if you can fix a guy like McGarry and get him a little
4: bit more depth out of that kick slide, we cook cooking with grease. So we've been talking about tackles, and and the Packers probably are going to be looking for somebody to um, replace Brian Bulaga in the next year or two. Um, But the Packers did address guard in free agency when they signed Billy Turner. He'll probably be slotted in at right guard. Um, Lane Taylor's been steady, but probably not spectacular at the left guard position. And he is somebody the Packers could look to move on from after 2019, because he would free up about $5 million in cap space. So the Packers could could be looking for some some help at guard. I, I would think it's safe to assume that most people think they'll address guard pretty early. Um, but if they waited until the middle rounds of the draft, are there some athletic guards that you like for an outside zone scheme on day two or maybe early day three?
5: No, absolutely. And and I, this is an interior offensive line class that I have liked for a little bit, and I'm excited about it, and I'm, I'm still up there with them. Now, we go immediately to Wisconsin, Michael Dieter. Is the guy that you're looking at on day two of your interior offensive line. Offensive tackle swing capacity, you know, so many straight starts with the Badgers, 44 something like that. Like these are just checking huge benchmarks for things that traditional evaluators and offensive line coaches love, 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 love in prospects. Dieter's a really, really strong, technically sound player. If we stick with good offensive lines, it's Drew Samia and Ben Powers. Now, they didn't run a ton of zone at Oklahoma. Oklahoma likes to run the power concepts. Both guys are heavy hitters, but Samia. Definitely a plus athlete. I feel like he can execute zone well. Ben Powers, functional athlete, average athlete. Not going to be your, your your best mover, going to give you some issues on outside zone, but still, I think, a, a strong contender on day two. is going to be drafted before Powers. Powers is a potential round three sort of a guy. The last name that I would say that really excites me and interests me, though he's probably more of a center, is Elton Jenkins, and that's the player at a Mississippi State. Really nice length, great recovery ability. One of the better tapes you'll see against Quinn and Williams this year and that means he only lost like 10 times not 20 you know what I mean like it's not pretty but he survived and he was able to recover a lot has some good flexibility to him he I think is is more natural at the pivot I think he's a center moving forward but if you're willing to try him out at guard he's also a fit there as well so the Wisconsin indeed I like a lot the two Oklahoma kids in in Jerusalem and Ben Powers and Elton Jenkins out of Mississippi State
3: Interesting. We were talking to, to Joe Marino a few weeks ago, and uh, Drew Samia. Joe doesn't
5: like Elton, right? Oh, Drusamia, Okay,
3: I thought you were from Elton. Back. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't talk about him at all. But we talked about Drew Samia a little bit, um, and said that he was someone that he he really likes. And I noticed that you're actually higher on Samia than I think even Joe. So, uh, nice, yeah, what, yeah, he's a good player. What uh, what round did you think that he he could potentially go in?
5: I think he goes in round two. Okay. And the wow. reality, yeah, the thing is with Samia is. We're talking about a very good offensive line, Joe Moore Award winner, four draft picks on it coming out this year, and their center, whose name I'm going to remember because it's a cool name, Creed Humphrey. Dude's going to go <laughs> early when he comes out. He I mean, started as a freshman; it was amazing. Um, on that line, Samia was the tone setter, right? Like, like Cody Ford is super nasty, but Samia is filthy. Samia's his 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 anger, his you know physicality is really really impressive, and that's something that offensive line coaches love, like I said, but also translates. Like there's, there's a competitiveness there that you have to have to play in the trenches in the NFL. You have to be a bit of a dog. I really like Samia. I think, yeah, I think he's, I think, you know, if we're talking about uh, Eric McCoy and Garrett Bradbury being the two interior offensive linemen who go round one, I think Chris Lindstrom, Michael Dieter, and Drew Samia are your next guys in round two. That's what makes sense to me.
3: Wow. And,
4: and so the, you know, moving in from guard to center, the Packers are pretty set with Corey Lindsley. But you just mentioned Eric McCoy. And then you also have North Carolina State's Garrett Bradbury, I think, are both pretty interesting prospects um, in the middle. Are are those players you would consider selecting to play guard at all?
5: Yeah, tricky, man. I mean, like Garrett Bradbury, I don't want to take him out of the center because of what he can do there in terms of his explosive ability, his quickness, his agility allows him to execute plays from the center, which is the most typically uncovered offensive lineman, right? Like you're not seeing a lot of zero techs at at the NFL level anymore. And then obviously you have your one technique, three technique, but you're more often seeing like two, three techniques, two, two techniques in terms of the fronts that we're seeing in the NFL. Bradbury uncovered means he gets to play laterally. He gets to execute reach blocks and he's elite at that level. You know, we talk about the Jason Kelsey comparison. So I want to keep him at center. I don't want to move him to guard. Eric McCoy, on the other hand, is a tremendous player another like kind of late guy who was a late addition you know like uh late uh, late declaration who's was a junior you know really really surprisingly good strong tape there now his size is definitely better than bradbury he's got about 15 20 pounds on him He's has got i think could make the guard transition very nicely super smart player great at center calls out protections very well for AM. But I think yeah, absolutely, he could execute uh, playing a guard a little better, better functional power, better anchor, that sort of stuff than Bradbury. So McCoy, yes. Bradbury, I'm not so sure.
3: That's super interesting, and that's the best explanation I've ever been given of why you wouldn't want to cover up Garrett Bradbury and why he may want to right. stay at center. So I appreciate you uh, yeah. you telling us a little bit about that.
5: Right. And, um, and and the reality is like yeah, you don't have to have the smallest guy at center. Like that's not like the the simple way it goes. But what Bradbury can do from center. Like, his, his, his strengths, his elite ability translates best to center. So you could probably play him at guard and sleep at night. And he would still, like, execute reach blocks. Guards have to reach block. It's not exclusive to centers. But be, because of the defenses you'll typically see, especially running wide zone and the sort of fronts the teams are going to give you against wide zone, you're just not going to see a lot of nose tackles. And so it makes sense for Bradbury to be there. You protect him from his great weakness, his anchor against, you know, pure power. It just the, the fit makes a little more sense in my head.
3: Absolutely, that's awesome. Hey, before we let you go, Ben, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit more about the Draft Network and maybe some of the work that you guys have been doing over there lately?
5: Oh yeah, uh, really lucky, fortunate, and excited uh, to be a part of the Draft Network. It's been a blast. This is our first year on the circuit. Uh, you know, at first, uh, <laughs> our first year uh, establishing things. We're very excited. We had a, a big announcement recently. We'll be down in Nashville for all three days of the draft. Uh, producing our live show will be live uh, on Twitter at Draft Network LLC is the spot we're really excited about the level of analysis that we can give feel like we have some advantages over the ESPN ABC crew I won't name all of them one of them is that we watch <laughs> tape the other ones don't matter uh, but that's the big one and uh, we actually have uh, another exciting announcement about that coming out in the next few days so stay tuned for that Um, But that's that's a big one. We also uh, have, and this was alluded to with Dalton Reisner, the mock draft machine and the build your own big board interface is two really cool tools uh, that allow you to simulate the draft, that allow you to build your own big boards and and positional rankings. And those are all linked to our scouting reports. So if you don't know a player, you want to learn more about a player, where we have him, all the scouting reports are available to you. There's over a thousand reports on the site for over 400 players. So we're really pumped about about the library about the database and then obviously it, it's content every day i mean you you guys both know the grind this is getting out as much content as you can when you're in season and for us you know this is this is the time of the year so we're, we're, we're we have a ton of fun we've got our, our two podcasts locked on nfl draft and draft dudes we've got the live shows coming up it's uh it's a good time to be alive man
3: That's awesome, man, and we will definitely look forward to hearing what your announcement is about what's coming up in Nashville. Looking forward to following you guys and just helping us stay up to speed as we get ready for the draft. But we do want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. He really is an awesome follow for anyone who wants great content leading up to the NFL draft. And we've really enjoyed our conversation with you today, Ben. So thanks so much for coming on the show and, and join us here on the Pack a Day podcast.
4: No, oh, thanks, fellas. I appreciate y'all having me on. But that is all the time we have for today. This has been the Pack a Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow the Pack a Day podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler, and they're going to be taking a look at some of the Wisconsin Badger prospects in the upcoming draft. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week with coverage of the NFL draft and an in depth look at inside linebacker. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Go, hey, go.
2: 16 at New York, first down goal to go, Rogers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap, Rogers clean pocket, throws the middle of the yeah, end, yeah. and a dagger, they beat Morris Playboard, to the back line of the end zone, the Packers of blow. snap to Wild. Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone, in a land ball lead to the north end zone stands. The Packers have a 6-0 lead. Beathard on third, down of three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, and as he throws it, deep down the right sideline, and intercepted. on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rogers looking right. Goes the right side. Zane Brown makes the touch. Nice reach. The 30 out of Oh, he reached back to gather it in. Using all six, five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28 yard line. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is placement made. Kick is up. It good. is good. It is good. Nice and Delivers up. trigger. One win. After his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks, right Looks right side, goal, accepted, oh. to the house, to Shaw Freeland. touchdown, Green Bay Packers! 19 yard interception return, and it's 16 to 7 Packers. And Rodgers looks it over, takes the snap, blitz on, they pick it up, locking it They Big got him 10 30, 10, 5, Pantone, touchdown, touchdown, not close, round 40 yards. Single back off, that's behind Aaron Rodgers, he ducks it under center. on the 29 and green. inside the 10 of the 5 yard line of Miami Aaron Jones with a first 67 yards
0: this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding